Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. How does open sharing lead to discipleship and strong faith? Well, that's one of the things we're going to talk about this week. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 217 with Steve Sims. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the show. I'm really glad that you're here and that you've joined us. Today we're going to be talking with Steve Sims and we're going to talk about how the image that Jesus used in the Bible to talk about church wasn't just a group of people, but actually had a little bit different connotation to it. We're also going to talk about growing through difficult seasons, and this is coming from some experience. So I think that this is going to be a really valuable conversation, especially if you are or have been going through difficult seasons and you're wondering, okay, what's God doing in the middle of this and how can he use it? You might find some inspiration in Steve's story as well. So I'd like to encourage you with that. And I'd also like to ask you to go ahead and stick around to the end. I actually have a prayer request for you, but I don't want to share that right here. I'm going to save that to the end. With that, we're going to go ahead and go right into our time with Steve. All right. Today, I am incredibly excited to have with me Steve Sims. He's the author of Beyond Church, and he and his wife led a Salvation Army church in Nashville, Tennessee for about nine and a half years that was based on the principles of open sharing and participation. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Brian. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you. And I am incredibly excited to have you. And also, I just want to say, you know, people can't necessarily hear the technical challenges that we had before I hit record, but I appreciate you sticking with me. So thank you for that. Now, as, as we get into this, I've given a little bit of an introduction as far as, you know, you're the author of a book, you and your wife led a church in the Nashville area for about nine and a half years. But can you share maybe a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you're doing? Well, I've been a believer since I was in college. I met the Lord in a small group on a college campus and was part of a fellowship that was very interactive, very non-religious. And so when I graduated, I thought, well, I'll find a church that meets that way and spent all my life looking for that until about 10 years ago, the Salvation Mm -hmm. Army approached us. We were not members of their denomination, but my wife and I were both employees working for them. And they approached us and said, we want to do something out of the box, something non-traditional. Do you have any ideas? And I was like, yeah, I would love to do something based on open sharing wow. or in, 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 and do that instead of a sermon. But the folk, you know, basically First Corinthians fourteen twenty six that says when you come together, basically everybody has something to to share. Wow, yeah, I love that. So they they came to you with with this idea, and then 
how much how much planning and how how did you approach bringing that to bear then? Well, this one they had a building and uh, an old they, in the Salvation Army they called their church his core C O R P S like the military like a military core. So they had this empty building that had been a Salvation Army core. So we started, you know, more like a traditional church with a building, and but we just rearranged the furniture, took out the pews, put in chairs, and put them in more of a U shape mm-hmm. where you could see people's faces, and then we just started meaning. In, in the beginning, people weren't, that started coming, they weren't used to sharing. So for the first year and a half, we invited someone to give a salvation testimony. And we had a little over 70 people come and give their testimony, like five to 10 minutes of how they met the Lord. Hmm. And so we always kind of, if the sharing got a little slow, we'd say, well, the testimony today is, and call a person up. So, but after a year and a half, we basically ran out of people that we knew. And <laughs> also by, by then the people coming were getting used to it. So from then on, we didn't schedule anything at all. Wow, that, that's really neat. And, and I, I would imagine that some of the people who are listening are probably really familiar with the concept of open sharing, and maybe they've even experienced that kind of thing, maybe in a small group or maybe in a church similar to what you've been describing. Can you share with us maybe one or two ways where you've seen open sharing really make a positive impact in people's lives? Yeah, I, I could probably share does. <laughs> You know, it, it's amazing. Well, I mean, people would walk into our building and sometimes just start crying. And, you know, there's the scripture in First Corinthians 14 says, if everybody prophesies and an unlearned or unbeliever comes in, the secrets of their heart will be revealed and they'll say, surely the Lord is in this place. So we were in a low income neighborhood, an urban neighborhood and got lots of mm. visitors just walking in as well as people that would come from the suburbs that were curious about open church. So we had a lot of visitors. A lot of times they weren't even Christians, but we, numerous times we would have people just open up and just, you know, first time visitor, just start uh, unloading. You know, I'm struggling with such and such and mm. or start weeping. And, you know, that, that would happen just, you know, every few weeks. And, you know, it's just an amazing thing to see the power of the Holy Spirit working through ordinary people and that loving, open environment. Yeah. And, and so that's been one of the main changes, just, you know, seeing uh, people's hearts. It's almost like the Holy Spirit unzips their heart and they start sharing like they've known us for years. Wow, that, that, that's really incredible. Now, as you were talking about some of the people coming in, I think you mentioned that some were coming from suburbs, some were coming from the inner city. Were these people that were coming in primarily churched people who were wanting, looking for something different, or were they unchurched people? What, what was that makeup? Well, people from the neighborhood were mainly, you know, I guess a lot of them had a church background, but, you know, just in various stages, some people were attending and some weren't. People from the suburbs were more, uh, I started a Facebook page talking about what we were doing, and I targeted lots of national people as friends, so a lot of people in Middle Tennessee were would see it on on social media, Mm -hmm. and so in that case, many of them 
some of them were duns. They, you know, they was already given up on the traditional church, but others were, you know, had been in church and were just looking for something different, something, you know, there's really not a lot of alternative when you look at church. It's almost all from Catholic to Pentecostal and everything in between, mm-hmm. basically the same format. Do some praise and worship songs or hymns, take an offering and listen to a sermon and, you know, altar call and send people home. And, and and so, you know, if you're looking for something different than, I mean, we, we, we disagree on theology, Christians all across the mm-hmm. spectrum, but we we agree on the way you do church. You, you know, you, <laughs> you use the standard format, right. regardless of your theology. And, 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 you know, some's a little more emotional than some are than others, but still it's basically the same format. So just when people were hearing that somebody was actually doing something different than the sermon format, it created some curiosity. Yeah, that, that's that's really neat. One of the things that kind of stood out to me is you were sharing a little bit about the church service and how people were coming in and they, they were encountering God's presence, you know, in, in that particular format. It reminded me of the scripture, I think it's in the Psalms, that talks about how many will see and hear and know that you are God. And that, if I remember right, is in reference to worship. And a lot of times we'll assume that that means, you know, a band playing or, you know, singing and clapping. And I don't want to discount any of that kind of stuff. But that, And that's true. But this sharing, this sounds like worship too. Is that your take on it? It is, and 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 overall, we did start. You know, I mentioned in the beginning we we brought people in that would give a salvation testimony, mm-hmm. and we also started with a traditional worship leader up oh. front. Just you know, so we would read a someone would read a scripture, say a prayer, and then a worship leader would lead. But we intentionally, by design, said we're not going to use the same worship leader two weeks in a row. And so, being in Nashville, there are lots of floating worship leaders. So in the course of the nine and a half years, we had well over a hundred different people or groups lead worship. And, you know, where each Sunday it was somebody different. I mean, we'd rotate somebody, they, you know, might lead. And then five weeks later, six weeks later, later, we'd use that person again. But Mm -hmm. it wasn't that way. Nobody was above somebody when, you know, Jesus said, not to be like the Gentiles who lord it over and basically have a hierarchy. And, you know, it's equal at the cross and the priesthood of the believer that Martin Luther proclaimed and the Reformers says we're all the same before God, which is also the Bible. Yeah. And yet we insert, we we, uh, we we give people in traditional format, you are the worship leader, you are the preacher, you know, instead of letting the Holy Spirit decide who's going to do what. Yeah, you you just hit on one of the things that I like to remind people of every once in a while, and that's that you need Jesus just as much as I do, or by corollary, I need Jesus as much as you do, because we all need him completely. There's no part of my life that doesn't need every bit of Jesus. And I I really love that picture that you shared. As you're thinking about the, the church that you planted nine and a half years were there ever any challenges or any hurdles you had to overcome? Yeah, you know, the main problem we would have occasionally is someone oversharing, mm. you know, pe- people that would want to talk too much. And we had three or four people in the course of the time that I'd, you know, would have to pull aside and say, thank you for sharing. We're so glad you're here, but please kind of hold it back to once or twice. And you know, sometimes I get offended and leave. It really didn't happen that much that we had to talk to people. There were about 
maybe four different times in the nine and a half years. But the interesting thing is in all of that time, there was only one time, and that was less than a year ago, when someone stood up and shared something theologically off base. I mean, wow. you know, there's there are gray areas in theology, you know, like method of baptism mm-hmm. or, I mean, no, but we didn't even talk about that, but, you know, just areas that are not essential, but as far as essential doctrines of the historic Christian faith, nobody ever said anything that went against that mm. until about eight or nine months before we closed, a visitor stood up and said, there's no devil and, and, and God creates evil and good and mm. started, you know, and I was like, oh, it's finally happened. So, you know, it was fairly easy. I just stood up and said, well, thank you so much for sharing. And we're really glad you're here. But we all know there's a devil, right? If you've been a Christian very long, you know there's a force of being working against you, an enemy. And everybody was, yeah. Yeah. And you know, and God is good. And the Bible teaches that, you know, you know, God, you know, loves and is good and you know, he doesn't, you know, make evil that that came from a perversion of good. Mm-hmm. So you know, a, a lot of preachers have told me, Oh, we I'm afraid to open up what would people say and you know, even if somebody does say something wacky, it's just a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. You can stand up and thank them for sharing and then there you have a teaching moment to correct it. Yeah. Speaking of teaching moments, have have you ever been in a service, one of these open sharing environments where you've really taken something away that you didn't expect to get from God that day? On the, every Sunday, yeah. every Sunday when we would meet, my, at, the, at the end, my wife and I would be driving home going, we've never had a meeting like this. I mean, mm. not only the content, but the structure and what what happens. Sometimes they're teaching centered and four, five, six people will will share scripture and teaching and it all kind of just flows together. And sometimes it's more like prayer focused where we're praying over people and sometimes it's testimonies and sometimes it's a whole mixture of things. So there's always the surprise. And one thing I've learned is ordinary people are eloquent Hmm. when they start to share from the heart. And it's not just sharing. One thing we emphasize, and when we had visitors after the praise and worship before we opened it up, either me or my wife would say just basically, you know, we're here to let the Holy Spirit lead we are welcome to share, even if you're a first-time visitor, but please don't share just because you want to. Listen to the Holy Spirit. If God's telling you to share, do it. If he's not, then then don't. And, you know, make it brief because there are a number of people and we want to allow time for everyone. So, you know, we would say something like that and then people would just begin. Mm. And so the key is that it needs to be spirit-led, you know, prompted. I mean, we, you know, if you've been a Christian very long, you've had promptings from the Holy Spirit. Don't go in that bar. You know you don't need to be in there. Yeah. I mean, just these little promptings, sometimes they're in English, sometimes it's just, you know, don't you don't need to call so-and-so or, you know, go knock on your neighbor's door and make sure she's okay. And, you know, just we're all prompted with little nudgings of the Holy Spirit, if you've been a Christian very long, and by opening it up in the assembly, the gathering, the the worship meeting, it's a great place to learn how to hear and obey the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Speaking of hearing, you've talked about the sharing environment and, you know, the ways that God was revealing things to you in and through those and some of the ways he worked in your life. What has God been showing you or teaching you over the last few months? 
Well, we've been through a major transition the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. After nine and a half years, a new Salvation Army leader, they rotate leaders, and Mm. a new leader over Nashville came in about five months ago, and he didn't like Three other leaders had supported everything, what we were doing at Berry Street, and but this new leader did not, and mm. he's like basically forced us out. Mm. Uh, and you know he had all the cards; he was an authority, and so you know he, we were we had basically no choice but to either compromise and go back to Sunday morning sermon and very traditional. With and he basically said we couldn't let people share on Sunday; mm. we either had to go along with that or leave. So. So we left. So, you know, the Lord's been talking to us, my wife and I, about loving and forgiving and and not saying bad things about this gentleman who came in and basically stopped what had gone on for nine and a half years and had impacted many, many lives. And and we've seen people set free and, you know, saved and on fire for God. So, yeah, just to bless, you know, and pray for this person and and not run down this person and and the South Asian Army. This in our nine and a half years doing this, this this new leader and one other person several years ago of all the South Asian Army leaders I've met over these years, they were the only two people who had anything negative to say about what we were doing. Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned that it's a little bit hard and God has been teaching you about forgiveness and some pieces like that. And I, I really appreciate that. And I'm wondering, can you take us, maybe kind of peel back the onion a little bit and take us into one of those conversations with God where, you know, you're you're in this place and you're going, oh my goodness, everything's changing. How How does that conversation go? With God, well, yeah. I complain a little bit, and why me, Lord? And and, you know, and then, of course, I mean, you realize, I mean, persecution. I mean, one thing he was showing me here was the Jerusalem story after the stoning of Stephen in the book of Acts. And then it says, and persecution arose, and the Christians were scattered, the believers were scattered everywhere except for the sent ones. The word apostles literally means sent ones. So it's kind of ironic. Everybody but the sent ones were scattered, and they went preaching the gospel everywhere they went. So that persecution, I think, you know, Jesus told the 12 go into all the world. They were stuck in Jerusalem managing a mega church, mm. And so the persecution arose and scattered them, and that then began to spread the gospel. So, you know, the Holy Spirit's kind of putting on the heart that, you know, we had been like a prototype at Berry Street of, I mean, it's hard to, uh, aside from Quakers, it's hard to find any Christian group on a Sunday morning. Some churches have home groups that might meet with a little open sharing, but they don't let that be Sunday morning. And so we had a prototype of that, one of the only churches in the country that were doing that. But now, there may be some freedom to spread that. And the people who were at Berry Street now are, are, are they, they've become stronger, I think, mm. because of what's got happened. Yeah, I, I appreciate your perspective and you sharing your heart there. I, I know that that can be a little bit of a, a sensitive situation. So thank you for going there with us. Let, let's shift a little oh, bit. Sure. Let, let's, let's shift a little bit. We'll talk about your book. When I introduced it originally, I didn't actually include the subtitle. I called it Beyond Church and the subtitle is An Invitation to Experience the Lost Word of the Bible. What is what is that lost word? That's part of the title as well. And then what does it mean? 
Yeah, the, the last word of the Bible is ekklesia. And in the Greek New Testament, the word that Jesus used, Up, upon this rock I will build my ecclesia. And the literal meaning of ecclesia is called out ones, hmm. but the usage of the word, it was a proper name. It was the name of the city council in Greek city States. Mm. So Athens had an ecclesia, you know, Corinth did, Philippi, all the Greek city-states had an ecclesia. So the adequate uh, translation of upon this rock I will build my ecclesia would be upon this rock I will build my city council. But when it was the Bible was translated into English, and, and another word is assembly or congregation. Those are both much more accurate translations of ecclesia. It was a, the city assembly or the the congregation. But and 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 Coverdale and Tyndale, I think, both used the word congregation. Mm. But when the King James Version was translated, they used the word church. And church is in, in no way a translation of ecclesia. Church came from an old English word. I can't even say it exactly. It's just a shorter version, but it literally meant a worship circle. It was mm. the, the what was the name for the pagan Celtic worship circles, and that word evolved into the word church. So the, it's a mistranslation. It, so ecclesia was lost and was replaced with the word church. In other words, church isn't taught in the Bible, hmm. which a lot of people think, whoa, what? Yeah, it's been a, a mistranslation all these years since 1611. Well, I, I love that you broke that down for us. And, and like I mentioned before we got on, I, ha- I hadn't had time to read your book, so I appreciate you making that, that clear to me. And one of the things that I'm seeing as you're sharing this is it sounds like it's more of a governmental term. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, it is. It's literally the, the city council, and they made the decisions. But, you know, the, the Greek city-states were democratic, mm. and in the ecclesia in, in Sparta or in Ephesus, a herald called the group together, and any citizen in, in the city could come and be a part of the ecclesia, and everybody was equal, and everybody could share in the ancient Greek ecclesia. And it's interesting, that's what Jesus said he was going to build. And when you read the letters in the New Testament to the ecclesia at Ephesus, Mm -hmm. to the ecclesia at Corinth, every time you read the word church, the real word there is city council, the ancient ecclesia. So so how does this play out? We've talked about open sharing, and that's certainly a part of this. What are the other implications of seeing seeing Ecclesia that way, and how would that impact our lives beyond open sharing? Yeah, there is a power, there's a, an authority. When You know, when Jesus said, when two or three come together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So there's the real presence of Christ when two or three believers meet, and there's an authority there, literally a government, governmental authority that, that can be manifest in, in the midst. You know, when we come together and pray and, you know, Jesus talked about the keys of the kingdom and binding and loosing and mm. 
you know, it's not a system though. It's 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 led by the the risen Jesus. If Jesus is really alive, as Christians proclaim, then surely he's capable of leading a worship meeting better than me as a pastor. I mean, how can I say I can lead this worship meeting better than the risen Jesus can? Unless you don't believe he's really alive Mm. or you don't believe he's really there. If he's really alive when we assemble and if he's really present, then why not let him lead the meeting? Yeah. So so let's turn this outward now. We've we've talked about how it impacts the meeting, but how does this impact how we go into the world and live a life on mission? Yeah, it's 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 essential to that. So much that's missional nowadays is academic. You know, it, people are taught discipleship techniques and curriculum, you know, go the four spiritual laws, the Roman road, you know, there's no systematic theology in the Bible. You got to take a verse from Ephesians and a verse from First John and a verse from Matthew and build your systematic theology. But it's not in there because you, you don't uh, discipleship is not something learned. It's not classroom. It's it's like being trained to be a mechanic. Mm. And so if I'm teaching you, Brian, to be a mechanic, or, or how about a, a brain surgeon, and all I do <laughs> is lecture you for an hour a week, how many lectures? Like, like I, I, I've been through lectures to be a brain surgeon. How many lectures would I have to listen to before you would let me cut your head open? <laughs> More than one. Or even if I heard 10,000, right. you would not just want me to know the information. You would want me to have the hands-on experience in sawing open a skull and lifting the cap out and penetrating and probing into the gray matter. Mm. You would want me to have done that numerous times, preferably starting on a cadaver so I didn't kill the first one. <laughs> and, and yet... In Christianity, we sweep all that aside and say, I'm going to lecture you, and then you go out and be missional. Hey, how does that work? You know, why not make the Sunday morning worship missional? Hmm. We're going to minister to one another. And when the Holy Spirit prompts you, you obey it here. And so the Holy Spirit's telling me to go pray for John. Well, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for John. John, are you all right with that? And and you go and you pray and you do. And then the, and and, and in a loving, or if you hear a a prophetic word, I feel like the Lord's saying that, you know, you're, you're hiding something from him or whatever. Mm. You feel that. And, and you, you know, it's hard just to go up to somebody and share that, but, but in a loving environment, uh, where we are the body of Christ, the ecclesia. You know, if you share something, there are others there. It says in First Corinthians, let all the prophets speak and let the others judge. And it's like, you know, I think you missed it there. And that's no big deal. And and so we have people who can correct us. We have people who can encourage us. Boy, that was really powerful when you shared that. That was really the Holy Spirit. And and so we, we grow in using the spiritual gifts as we minister to one another in a friendly environment. Mm. Is there a way for people who are really looking for this kind of ecclesia, but they still feel called to a more traditional church to, to be able to walk this out? Yeah. It, you know, the I think in the Western world, we've been so brainwashed with this is church and it's that traditional 
format that we can fight about every kind of doctrine, but we agree we need a Sunday morning sermon. <laughs> and, and it's so ingrained. I mean, people would come to Berry Street and say, well, I, I, I just can't stay here. There's no sermon. Like there's a, the 11th commandment, thou shalt have a sermon. It's not in there. <laughs> so we're so stuck on it. But first off, the way the church is structured, the pastor has to be willing to give up some control and when you're paid to be the one in control, it's hard to let it go. Mm. So it's hard to do if the pastor's not willing. If a pastor's willing, in my book, I talk about the Jesus 12. Don't just change everything. You've been using traditional format and you know doing your sermon. We'll keep all that, but add 12 minutes and give those 12 minutes to the resurrected Jesus. So you can, you know, have your opening hymn and your announcements and your second hymn and or your praise and worship and your offering. And, and, and but before the sermon, say now on the bulletin here, Jesus 12, for the next 12 minutes, we're going to let Jesus lead. The pastor just sits down, has an open mic. And just give Jesus 12 minutes. And then after the 12 minutes, say, okay, well, now the next thing on our agenda is the sermon. You know, I, I, I know it's not realistic that a pastor is just going to completely wipe out everything, let the Holy Spirit have the whole meeting. But why not give him 12 minutes or five minutes or 30 seconds? <laughs> you know, I was thinking, even if a pastor did feel called in that direction, it would probably be a little bit irresponsible to not lead through a process of change anyway. So I, I like that what you've what you've laid out there. As I think about a church body, you know, there were the apostles and the you know that that group of people back in the New Testament. There were leaders in in that organization. What kind of training or what kind of experience is needed in order to be able to have a healthy group that does allow the Holy Spirit to lead and doesn't get off into a ditch somewhere? Uh, yeah, leadership is important, except it's not what we think of as leadership. You know, we think of leadership as one person in charge or somebody having a title or a position. But in the New Testament, it's relational. You know, it, it's based on maturity. It's, they're called elders. Two words for New Testament leaders and the ecclesia elders, and that's just people who are elder. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm elder than you, older than you, I'm your elder. But it's not just elder in age, it's elder in Christian maturity. So the elders are not people who've been uh, recognized or appointed to a position or voted in or picked by a pastor. They're brothers and sisters in Christ who are older, mm-hmm. mature. And then the other word, bishop, in the King James, but the word there, the Greek word literally means overseer. And the overseer, the best definition is like an official in the NFL. Mm. The official doesn't run everything. The official runs up and down the field and lets you know the players participate and interact. And if there's something done that's out of line, Somebody comes up and kicks somebody in the back. He throws a flag down. Say, "Hey, hey, that's not good. Let's, you know, let's be nice here." And and, and gets the ball and and then gets back out of the way again. He doesn't come in and say, "Okay, you 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 hit you clipped him in the back." Now, four things about clipping. One, clipping is an infraction. 
Now, an infraction is where you do something wrong. Now, the Greek word for infraction, he didn't go through all that gobbledygook. You know, the, the overseer just corrects it and then gets back out of the way and, and, and lets the game go on. So I believe in church leadership or ecclesia leadership, it's based on your maturity in the Lord. Mm. And then you're there just to oversee and, you know, keep, you know, the flesh or some individual you know, you're correct if somebody shares something. Somebody says God's a big green frog. You say, well, thank you for sharing. But, you know, the, Jesus said that, I'm a, that a spirit doesn't have a body. Yeah. So, you know, God is a spirit. So, you know, the Holy, you know, so, you know, it's so leadership is more based on relationship rather than title mm-hmm. or position. What has... When when things get tough, and and I know that there have been challenges over the years, what is it that encourages or strengthens you? The presence of of Jesus Mm. Christ in you, the hope of glory. To me, Jesus is more real than the chair I'm sitting in and the air I'm breathing. The chair I'm sitting in is made out of matter, and matter is nothing but energy, a little electrons orbiting empty space at the speed of light. If the electrons stopped orbiting, there would be nothing there. So this whole world, we, you know, secular people say, this is the real world. This isn't the real world. This world is nothing but energy masquerading as solid when it's really not. It's like a hologram. The real world is the spirit and the world. Is, and so over the years, this, the Holy Spirit has become more and more real to me and, and, and the resurrected Jesus. And one reason I like Ecclesia and open format is it depends on a risen Jesus. We can do church the traditional way with a dead Jesus. I can stab into seminary, cemetery, they say seminary, <laughs> and I, I know how to, you know, set up an order of worship and run, you know, and do a sermon. And even if God died on Saturday night, I can still have a good church service on Sunday. But Ecclesia doesn't work unless the Holy Spirit, it, it, it will fall into chaos unless God moves in and takes it. Wow. You, you mentioned some of the challenges that you're going through right now that you've, you've had to walk away from the place where you were meeting before and that God has been kind of shifting some stuff around, maybe calling some people into different places. How clear is the path before you now? It's not real clear. Uh, You know, not only did, you know, we lose uh, the ministry that we were engaged in, my wife and I, but in the Salvation Army, both the husband and wife are officers or pastors are on salary. You know, we worked as a team. So we both had a job and a salary and insurance and laptop computers. I mean, we were really blessed to be able to do that for nine and a half years and be paid for it. But, you know, when we left uh, under duress and pressure, we lost all of that. So, you know, I'm not ready to retire. I don't have enough money for that. So we are in a very uncertain stage, mm. but we're trusting God. It's been two, almost two months now since it stopped. And, you know, he's brought in some money from different sources. I have a 20-hour-a-week part-time job right now and another four-hour-a-week part-time job. Mm. But I, as far – and I'm really feeling – and, and one reason, Brian, I really appreciate this opportunity is I'm feeling an unction to share, you know, more personally, going out maybe and doing and speaking hmm. about Ecclesia. The way's not clear because I don't know any open doors 
for that just yet. I have some good relationships in the Salvation Army, and I've been putting the word out there that, you know, I'd like to come to your Salvation Army Church and teach and share and, and maybe do a workshop where we could practice some of this. And so... You know, who knows? God may have something totally different. I'm also working on another book that I hope to have out in January. Okay. Yeah. And and you you mentioned or or you've provided some contact information. So we're going to make sure that that's available. So if you're listening right now and you are interested in connecting with Steve, I'd recommend that you just take a minute, pause the recording and check out the show notes so that you can do that. Just go ahead and connect with him and at least reach out. Maybe it's not a great fit, but it's worth at least giving it a try. Now, you've got one book and then you've got one on the way. What's Where's the best place for people to get the book that you currently have? Yeah, Beyond Church is available on Amazon. That's that's the primary source. It's in Kindle or paperback. Mm. So I, I think it's only three forty nine in Kindle, so it's very inexpensive. Wow. <laughs> and Oh, go go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, it starts off with the definition of the word ecclesia, and then I give the history. Actually, there has been open meetings throughout history of the church, but they've been off to the side, you know, aside from the Quakers, you know, like even the Methodist, uh, the early John Wesley and the early Methodist had a weekly class meeting where a group of 8, 10, 12 people came together and they shared with one another in open sharing. Mm. And But after the first or second generation of Methodists, they left that behind. So, But the book's about the history and it's also about our experience at Berry Street and the practical things we've learned mm. about how to meet like that. And it doesn't have to be in a formal Sunday morning setting. You can have an open meeting, as you've men- mentioned, Brian, in a, in a home or in, in an office building. Or, or, and it only takes three or four people. You just meet and if there's two, three, four people, you just listen and each person shares what they, they hear the Holy Spirit saying. And when you try, had amazing things happen. Yeah. So, so again, for, for those of you that are listening, I would also like to recommend that you go ahead and pick up Steve's book, especially if you're connecting with what he did. In fact, at 349, maybe pick up a thousand or so because <laughs> that, that would help him, right? I'm, I'm not asking for donations here. I'm just saying, hey, if, if you like the book or if you'd like to check it out, just go ahead and check it out. We'll have that linked up in the show notes and maybe that'll be what allows Steve to continue doing the ministry that he has. So show notes are at engagingmissions.com slash Steve Sims and that's Sims with two M's. Now, Steve, I'm wondering, as we draw this to a close, how can we best pray for you? Uh, Open doors, I think. And, you know, I think most people that are really pursuing God, the enemy comes with discouragement and you know, tries to maybe bring depression and, you know, and just like, what's the use? Mm. And, you know, we're calling spiritual warfare to resist that. But we do, my, both my wife and I, you know, especially in this season, have gotten a lot of internal resistance, you know, just where, you know, the negative thoughts start coming. So just that we can stand and, 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 and you know, first win within. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you, if you win, in your life and you get a lot of stuff and opportunities and, and you're miserable inside, what good is it? Mm. So, you know, we've got to learn to be content inside first. And so, you know, we're battling just not to, not to give in regardless, you know, to be content no matter what the circumstances. 
Wow. And trust that God's working all things together for good. Yeah. But it's a battle. It's easy to proclaim that, but to live it day in and day out, you know, you really have to fight that. Actually, my second book that I'm working on is crazy, crazy Bible stuff, doing the crazy Bible stuff. And it's about things like overcoming demons, the demons that come in with discouragement and battle you in your thinking and how to overcome and cast them out Mm. like Jesus did today. So... Wow, incredibly good stuff. And thank you for sharing that, because as I was listening, you spoke to something that I have going on in my life as well, and so I'm listening for those answers. So thank you for doing that. I would like to recommend for those of you that are listening, take a minute, pause this recording, and go ahead and pray for Steve right now, because I know from my experience how easy it is to forget to do that when I get to the end of the day and I go, oh, now, who who was I supposed to pray for? You've, you've got him right here. You've got those prayer requests. Take a minute to do that. And then stop by the show notes to connect with him, pick up his book, do all of that. Steve, I just want to say to you, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and to share your heart. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate the opportunity, Brian, and especially, you know, on something so unconventional. (laughs) You know, sometimes people are just, I don't want to hear anything that's that far out of the box. And you're very courageous to listen and to give me part of your platform. And I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. And you're welcome. I appreciate you being here. I mentioned to you at the beginning that I have a prayer request, and I'm going to go ahead and ask you to pray for me. I'm in the process of seeking God's direction for next year, for 2018, as I plan the content and the format of the Engaging Missions show. And I have some ideas rattling around in my head, some things that I'd like to do, some changes that might need to come. But I really want to hear from God about what's the right thing for this show and for us as I continue doing this next year, what he would have me change, what he would have me keep the same, making sure that I have everything in, in, in its proper place so that I'm doing what he would have me do and not necessarily the things that come from human wisdom or from my ideas or anything like that. I understand that God can work through wisdom and that God can work through the preferences that I have and the preferences that we have, but ultimately... I'm wanting to hear from him. My thanks to Steve Sims for being with us and also to you for joining us and to Jeff and Gabby for the work that they do for the Engaging Missions show. Show notes for this week's episode are at engagingmissions.com slash Steve Sims, and that's Sims with two M's. Make sure that you check those out. I have timestamps on there, links to the resources that we talked about, some of the quotes, ways that you can connect with Steve. These are really valuable, and I'd recommend that you check those out, whether you just tap the album art because you're subscribed in a podcast player and you want to just see them right there, or you're visiting the website, go ahead and check those out. For next week, I have something a little bit different planned, and unless something changes, that's what I'm going to do, and I'll tell you about that next week. It's a bit of an experiment. It's something that I'm trying out, and I think it's going to be good. If you want to make sure that you don't miss that and you haven't already subscribed to the Engaging Missions show, visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That way you won't miss that or any of the future episodes. And if you have any feedback for me, I would love to hear from you. Send that to feedback at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.